So Matt, you remember when uh, you were at an age where you realized that you could start your own business? Yeah, man. Lemonade stand? <laughs> lemonade stand? Well, I mean, everyone does like baseball cards and lemonade stands and all that stuff. But I remember being in college and my roommate and I would play these jokes on each other, these pranks all the time. One day I'm sitting in the quad in our whole campus and I look up and I see this giant laminate sign that says free cable TV and it's my cell phone number. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the hell is my cell phone number doing in big vinyl block letters in front of the entire campus, right? <laughs> I just forgot about it and laughed and went off to class. And three days later, the college calls me and they're like, hey, you're not allowed to promote your businesses on campus. <laughs> and they're like, you need to come take it down. I'm like, you take it down, you know? <laughs> so that was the first time it dawned on me that like, hey, you can start a business at any time in your life. Sure. It doesn't matter when, just, doesn't matter where. Just hang your cell phone number up. Just hang your cell phone number Maybe up and you'll you get some give... calls. <laughs> so anyway, that leads me into this, uh, this whole thing we've been talking about. Success, imposter syndrome, the do-it mentality. I figured let's take this episode and go to the next level. Uh, let's sit down with some people who decided to do it. Do it. Startup. Startup. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Nate. And we want to welcome you to Don't Feed the Trolls. A podcast where we discuss trending topics, art, and culture. Through the lens of our experiences touring the world and creating art vocationally. We hope to bring topics out of the minefield of the comments sections. And into the sphere of reasonable dialogue. Thank you for listening. I think it'd be cool to bring on some of our friends, kind of hear their journeys to see if uh, we could learn something. Kind of like, hey, how did you take the first steps to you know, get to where you were just a hobby to maybe a jobby to maybe a job. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. So on our show, we talk about hustle, entrepreneurship, creativity, fighting against laziness, the status quo, and naysayers, which are the trolls often. This has been our experience as musicians who grew our bands from local to the national level, and we're still trying to bring new creative endeavors into the world. Does your wife sit you down at night and say, hey, Matt, you know what I think you need? Another hobby. <laughs> I keep telling her I keep picking up these jobs that don't pay. Um, <laughs> eventually, maybe one will pay off. But Don't feed so, the trolls, man. So welcome. Welcome to our first episode in hopefully a long and informative series, Startup on Don't Feed the Trolls. I think we're going to try to do an ongoing series where we talk to friends who've had an idea and went, I got this idea. <laughs> and then they took that idea, took the steps, and uh, made it happen. The yeah. hardest part of any idea is starting. Exactly. Right? But first, we have a new patron. Do you know what? Uh, what's Patreon? You don't know? Well, get in on the action. Uh, Luke Rogers to the team. He's uh, someone who's going to personally sponsor us and the show. Exactly. Uh, it's a monthly deal, right, Matt? Yes. $1 a month. You get access to exclusive content, bonus episodes, and extended interviews coming soon. If you want to head to yeah, patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls. Thank you, Luke, for signing up and uh, being a part of our team. Appreciate it. Yeah, Luke, appreciate it, man. You make this happen. Our guest today is Jack Roan, owner and proprietor of Noble Amplifier Company, 
where he's been handcrafting boutique amplifiers for musicians since 2005. We can't wait to pick his brain on his creative endeavors, the role of education in it, and his commitment to the integrity of the product over potential profit. How that's working out for him. He just texted me, so let's get him on the show. Welcome, Jack. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Good stuff. Jack, you uh, you loaned Sherwood some gear to record back in 2009, but you were like, what, four years into Noble at that point? Yeah, it was about 2005 and I got a business license and decided to to make it a little more of a hobby, a little bit. A into little a bit jobby. A <laughs> into a jobby. When did it first creep into your brain? Like, I want to make amps. You know, it was probably high school, honestly. I'm sad to say that it took so long to become real, but I got into playing guitar in high school and was just fascinated with all the gear, especially tube amps. I I couldn't afford one at the time. I didn't have one. I really wanted one because they just looked so cool and I had no idea how it worked, but um, it just seemed magic and it intrigued me. So that led me to go to, to school for engineering. Of course, they don't teach you about vacuum tubes in college <laughs> anymore. Um, I, I did ask my professor one time, and he he laughed at me. But um, you know, I learned all this stuff. I, I, you know, I know about music. I know about electronics. I can figure it you know figure it out on my own. You started tinkering around and kind of building this stuff just on your own, and pretty much. I'm just trying to get a, a timeline. So you just quit your full time job to make amps. So you st- you had this idea in high school, and then. What are we? What is that like? Twenty years later? Yeah, it's been now one year since I've been doing it full time. And you it loving was, it? Absolutely loving it. Awesome. Absolutely. Was it scary at first to quit your? I mean, I've done that too, where uh, I've had like side gigs that pay, and then I stop them to do the creative thing. It was really cool how it worked out, actually. So to answer your question, it wasn't scary when I did it, but on day two, I did have a little freak out. <laughs> I was raised by uh, by great parents. They have an employee mindset where right. you go to school, you get a degree, you get good grades, you get a good job, you're happy. Right. Um, so I did that, got out of college, most recently in a job that I really was not happy with. The corporate culture was just really grating on me. I, I, it didn't feel like a good fit at all. And I felt stuck. I was frustrated. I couldn't get out of it. I was really looking for something else. That's when Noble started to kind of creep up and become a real thing. But I was still not seeing it like that. So I got another job uh, with a small startup out of Switzerland. As part of the interview process, they told me, we don't have an entity in the US, so you'll be a contractor to us, and you'll be basically self-employed. We're going to pay you, but you have to bill us every month. It was really great at the beginning because it was a lot smaller company, a lot more freedom. Um, They trusted me with a lot of stuff, but I saw them um, making different decisions with their business than than I would have if right. I was in charge of it. And at the same time, my business started to take off and I, I was putting the brakes on it until I realized, dude, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, I'm killing my own thing to work for these guys. And right. so it was real easy to flip the switch once it happened. Yeah, so it kind of eased you in, but you did it for how many years just kind of as a side thing? Oh gosh, gotta be like nine or 10 years, honestly. The thing for me where I think maybe I'm a little different than, than I, I still don't see myself as an entrepreneur because hmm. I was never out there like, I'm going to make this work. I got to get out there. I'm going to charge it. It was more like, man, I don't want to fail in front of people. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not, it's not like I'm not going to try, but I'm not going to try to make this a full-time thing because I was scared about failing. I was scared about like, it's going to take the fun out of it. If right. all of a sudden I have to pay a mortgage and I got to sell stuff. Um, hmm. So I just, 
I was not trying to make it a full-time thing. And it really was, um, I had a number of friends come around me that believed in it and wanted to see it succeed almost more than I did Wow! uh, in that way. And, um, man, that was just so huge. So, um, and I realized, man, I have, I have these friends that I've talked to about certain things based on their skill set. Like one guy's, you know, a web guy. So if I have website thought, I'll, I'll bounce it off him or something. And so I decided with these four or five guys, like you're going to be my advisory board for Noble Amps. We're going to get together like once a quarter and we're going to drink beers and I'm buying. That's when like all of those guys, dude, first time, when are you quitting your job, man? You, we're going for it. And I hadn't, I hadn't pitched it to them really, I guess in the right way, but they, man, they were just full throttle. And a couple of those guys came in, they made some introductions absolutely made the difference. Wow. I mean, Nate and I just, uh, we recorded recently an episode on friendship and the value of friendship. And this is not at all where I thought, you know, our conversation would go, but them being a pivotal sort of influence on your business and maybe just giving you the confidence or the sounding board to, to, to think it through is, is, it was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, a lot of this stems back to, you know, who I am and kind of my character and, and being a little more reserved and introverted. I don't want to push anything out there. I don't want to, um, I really don't want to sell anything to anyone. Right. Yeah. If the product turns out to be amazing, I'll build it for you and you can pay me. Right. But I'm not going to try to convince you that it's awesome. Right. Uh, I have to be convinced by, by my customers basically. <laughs> that's, you want to buy this? Really? Like, okay. And that's how it, that's how it started. And who are some of those people? Who's the who the top five ten artists you're building for now? Definitely, like the turning point for me to pull the trigger and and quit the day job was I I met with Amos Heller at Nam last year. He plays for Taylor Swift. Oh wow! And he um, was like, he almost grabbing me by the shoulders, dude. I need to buy this thing. <laughs> and I was telling him, yeah, I don't know, man. I I just don't have time. <laughs> You know, I got you go this back, job thing I got to yeah. do. And so I just turn around like, you got to smack yourself. Sorry, like, biggest doing, artist man? in the world. I can't help you out. We just did an episode on imposter syndrome and how you kind of feel like you're not in the arena. And here you have Taylor Swift's bass player shaking you like, dude, you're good. You're <laughs> good at what you do. <laughs> Believe yeah. it. And uh, it's just something we all experience. You it's know? valuable. Exactly. Well, we yeah. talk a bit, a bit about on this podcast, the role of education, degrees. I think, Nate, you have a degree, correct? Yeah. I do not. I dropped out to be in a band. I did the, irres- <laughs> I did the irresponsible thing. You have two degrees? I do. I have a, a bachelor's and a master's in so electrical engineering. That's the thing. Why did a creative, intelligent, artistic guy like you go to college? I don't, I don't regret it, but um, <laughs> I definitely went because of my father. My dad's dad didn't go to college. I'm not sure he finished high school. Honestly, he was a carpenter, worked with his hands, built stuff worked in the shipyards, really rough. Growing up, my dad saw that and hmm. felt like, okay, I don't want that. I want to work with my mind, you know, not be so hard on my body. So he went completely other side, PhD in mathematics, like very theoretical guy. Wow. He's, he's brilliant. And now I'm coming into this and he's like, you probably should do what I did. You should go to college. And so I went and I thought, okay, that's just what I have to do. And it wasn't until later, like, oh, this things just start happening. Oh my gosh, I can have a job and work my hands and work for myself and like build stuff that I enjoy. And well, that's funny because like musicians, there's, wow, there's no better marriage of like the blue collar and the the education uh, than than building amps, right? Like, yeah. 
there's a lot of thought that goes into that. I, I've had jobs like 15, 20 years in, in the industry, various jobs, sales, test engineering, design engineering, manufacturing. I'm drawing on all of those in, in this role. Mm. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing to me how it's not just an artistic thing. It's not like I'm just you know, kind of whacked out on paint fumes in my garage and doing something <laughs> crazy. But like I'm making spreadsheets and calling factories and working on pricing. And I mean, it's right. a whole, the whole gambit. It's everything. And that's but, the DIY kind of mindset. You know, Nate and I both have that being in bands that were on, on labels where they had marketing departments or they had radio departments or they, you know, they had publicity. We had publicists do everything for us. And then becoming independent, suddenly you have to be a jack of all trades. You have yeah. to, you have to yeah. know a bit about web design so you can right. edit. You have to know a bit right. about, you know, writing a press release or, or, you know, just the, the ins and outs of what it takes to release music independently. And that's kind of, I, I see that with, with nowadays with our generation, just developing a well-rounded you know, like you said, your dad saying specialize yeah. and get specific. And, and that's obviously still a huge thing. Uh, we need people with specific skills. But as far as entrepreneurship goes or just being kind of DIY. You need to be a Jack Roan of all trades. When I was in the job and I was feeling frustrated, the, the, the really bad one. I interviewed for a while with, and I'm in here. I'm, I'm in San Jose. I interviewed with Google. You know, I could interview with Apple, like all the big major companies. Um, some of them I just didn't want to. But what I found when I talked to these places is they wanted someone to do one thing for like ten years, right. and they wanted you to have already been doing it for the last ten years. And I felt like, man, that's if I've done it for ten years, I, I mean, that's boring. Right. I want to do something new. Yeah. Like what is it that you make specifically that's like your hot seller, the thing that you do? If I'm listening to this, I'm still not 100% sure what it is that you make, how you make it, and, and what's your thing? Tell us that. Yeah. Um, I started making guitar amps. Um, you guys used it on the Sherwood album. I, I'm still super proud of the guitar amps. Yeah. Um, but guitar amps are hard to sell. Um, they're big. They're hard to ship. They take a long time to manufacture. Um, yeah. I had an idea for the bass players, uh, mainly actually working with you originally, Nate. Um, you take that little gray box. You remember that that little yeah, amp, I remember the prototype direct box. Um, so I was kind of messing around with this idea, thinking, "Hey, that's kind of cool." Because um, bass players, we we play direct often. I don't think people realize most of the time they don't want to mic up your cab because it's too loud. It doesn't sound good, so they just run you direct. So you made a direct preamp that has tubes in it. It's a combination between like a tube amp and a direct box. Right. So you get a bit of an amp sound. So I made this thing and I'm not a bass player. I don't even own a bass, even to this day. <laughs> and it was really frustrating to, to mess with it because it was so much smaller and I was just having a hard time with it. And I, that was one of the things that came up to my advisory board. And I told them, you know, guys, I gotta stop. This is a fun project. I gotta go back to amps. I'm a guitarist, I understand amps. And that was another like grab the shoulders, like, are you crazy? One of the guys, like, that is your best idea, that that preamp. And you need to like figure out how to manufacture it better. Um, because that thing's awesome. Wow. And made some changes with how I was building it. And um, then he was able to make uh, some introductions on the artist side, and the response was unanimous, which led to, you know, me going to NAM, meeting with with Amos, with Taylor Swift, and and so that product is most of my sales. That's your jam. That's in your wheelhouse. How many years 
did you have this kind of in in the wheelhouse before it uh, it kind of took off for you? Nate, when because you had toured with it after. Um, yeah, we toured with it in like 2009 on the Hanson tour. I was tinkering yeah. around with it, and I think I took it out on a Copeland tour as well. Huh? Um, I loved it. Just going direct was always a frustrating experience. It was always just like, I don't know if this is going to sound good. Every night it just sounded different, you know? It sounded like whatever uh, the subs in the venue sounded like. So you were sitting on a, a lump of gold for five years, and you're like, this thing's burning a hole in my back. I got to get this thing out and sell it. So you can't give me credit for this. This is something, <laughs> this is, this is you. Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, like, that was the first one that I'd ever done. That was the concept that oh, you geez. took out. And um, I thought, hey, this is a cool idea, but I was going to, even after that point, I mean, this was the, the advisory board was like two years ago, maybe, probably about a year mm-hmm. before I, I went full time. And um, I was going to give it up at that time. I had made a few more, I had sold, um, you know, maybe three of them. Uh, how do and how friends. do people come to like buy stuff from you? They just uh, word of mouth, or they stumble across your website, or that's another thing that my advisory board really helped with. One of the guys said, "You need to be on Instagram," <laughs> and I was like, "No, I'm not a social media guy." And he, you know, was emphatic, "You need to be on Instagram." And right. I would say probably. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say, but at a given point, I, you know, 40 to 50% of the sales come through people who saw it on Instagram. Wow. And what's the preamp called? Just called preamp. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Noble preamp. (laughs) Noble preamp. Oh, is it specifically a bass preamp or do you, can you use it for other things? Uh, The original concept was a tube direct box. Okay. So yeah, I use it for acoustic guitar. Um, a couple customers that I have use it for for that as well. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's it's not specific to bass, but definitely that was what started it. That was what was in my head when I went into that. And, and so you had an idea. It's sitting in your brain. It's sitting in your garage for five years, and now it's on all these platinum records. And <laughs> what do you feel now? Like I could have just put this thing in the yeah. closet. Yeah. And now millions of people have heard your bass tone. How do you yeah. feel about that? It, uh, pretty rad, <laughs> uh, man. It's just huge. Not only is it making bass tone better for all these musicians, it's like I have a different career now. Yeah, that's insane. Um, my my the rest of my life is different because of what these guys you know spoke into into me at the right time. That's very. Cool. It's it's really awesome. Slap at the bass, mama. Slapping the bass, man. Slapping the bass, man. I slap it up, Again, I'm a guitarist, but but I'm a rhythm guitarist. I'm not a lead guitarist, and I there very much are these personality types. When you look at enough people, you see okay, bass players they don't seek We're the nerdy. spotlight. They're right. kind of team players, really. Um, they're more likely to tell their friend about a cool piece of gear than than a guitarist is, I would right. say, because guitarists are more like uh, selfish, maybe. Uh, I can say that because I, <laughs> I, I am one. Like, you got your secret. You don't want to let that out. This yeah. is my secret tone, and, and whereas bass players are ah, much more competitive. That's um, awesome. Another big guy is um, Mark Kelly with The Roots. Uh, he's, he's rad. He's a great player. Um, and all these guys are talking to you directly. Yeah. Like, you run your own customer service. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Is it kind of intimidating to have these dudes calling you like, hey, bro, where's my gear? Like, does it? <laughs> um, does you it know, in- initially it was. And I think the thing that. Um, John Mayer's pissed. <laughs> it is our box. Right. In, initially. I'm sure they don't talk to you like that. No, no, it's, it's much, it's cool. But initially I thought that, um, everyone expected something for free or expected a discount. Hmm. And I didn't know how to handle that because if I just give it away for free, then, then that's not a business and yeah. I'm not making any money. And, um, so I had to wrestle with that and come to terms with it. And again, got some great advice from some friends. And, uh, at this point I, I have a waiting list. So it's very easy for me to say I don't do endorsements. I don't. Right. Um, now you need the exact opposite. You need to like a speed up fee. Like I'll I'll build it faster for for twice right, as much. Right. right. I mean, well, that's <laughs> that's yeah. the paradox of of being in a band. You know, you're a lo- you're in a local band, and you you struggle so hard, and you you work you know summers, and you finally buy that piece of gear that you want. It took you everything to get it, and then. You get signed, and your band sells a couple hundred thousand records, and now everybody's just trying to give it to you. Right. But, but this right. is the same time where you can finally afford to get whatever you want. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. It's, the, it's ironic. It's totally yeah. yeah it's totally off. But I get it. Yeah, it I is. mean, they want you. You know. Uh, yeah. You know, people people want you to promote for them, and right. and uh, that'll that'll drive sales. But you're not really motivated by that. You got a waiting list, and you you can only do so much at a time. So it yeah, makes I a lot think, more sense. I think part. I mean, it all a lot of it goes back to kind of my my business model. I don't have a factory that I'm trying to keep busy. I don't have a distribution channel to like suck up all my production that's not selling right away. I am only one guy, and I can only do so many. And so, if they want the product, then that's fine. They can they can pay for it, and um, they can afford it too. They can afford it, but <laughs> there's not there's not a huge upside really for me to give it away, right? Because I'm busy. I'm right. busy anyway. Um, I don't yeah. really want to get busier, actually. Like, I'm doing fine. It's great. Just, you know, I, I don't want it to be like all of a sudden, boom, this happened and I got all these orders. I want it to be like for the next 10 years, people slowly heard about this thing. And you know what I mean? Like, right. I, need it, I need it in the long run. Uh, and speaking I got, of the long run, yeah. if I'm listening to this, I'm saying sometimes it takes 10 years to really slug it out to where you're successful, to where – the roots are banging down your door for your, for your ideas. And what okay. I think is the hardest thing to do is that first step. So you have any advice for people? Like you have this idea, you want to do it, you're passionate about it. What's the first step and how do you go about doing that? Yeah. Some of the greatest advice that I got uh, was from John Maxwell. Uh, you guys um, – if someone's out there thinking of starting a business and you're not familiar with John Maxwell, he's one of the foremost business authors today. Uh, for decades, he's written book after book after book. Yeah, I've heard super of insightful. So um, he, I heard a podcast with him where he talked about, you know, this principle of, and he calls it the three R's: your reward, your required, and your return. Hmm. And so he's saying, like, you know, think of it like this: you've got. You're required, something you're required to do, your duty, your job, your, your, you know, this is what pays the bills, maybe. You got that over here. And you've got this passion that you're also excited about. This is your reward. Like you love to do it. It feels rewarding when you work on it. Hmm. Then there's a, this third R that he calls it the return. 
Uh, it's not necessarily financial, but that's part of it. Right. Maybe it's emotional return. What makes you the most happy? But financial is certainly a big part of it. Unfortunately, in this world, like you got to have money just to stay alive. Right. So he says, okay, the return is like this this meter that points to either what you're required to do or what you're passionate about, what right. you're re- what's rewarding. And so do these things and look at where you're getting the biggest return. Right. You know, if you're getting a big return from something you're passionate about then figure out how to get over there. Right. I'm almost verbatim, I think, from what he, from what I heard him say, but get over there as soon as possible because that's going to be awesome for you. You're going to thrive. But if you're not getting any return, you got this passion, but you're just not getting a return, then just let it chill and be a hobby. Keep doing it. Right. But, but stick to that day job. And uh, if that's where your return is, that's where, you know, you're going to have the most success. That is something that I've thought about, you know, day in and day out for the last few years since I heard it because it was so true and it's just so practical and and relevant to me to deciding when do you pull the trigger right really again i it had to come to a point for me when i realized i was sitting on the brake pedal right and all i had to do was let go and it was going to shoot off and the and how it, how it got built up wasn't me out there you know tooting my horn Hustling, and stuff yeah. it was my friends and it's just they made connections slowly word of mouth crept out right. there social media you were focusing really on helped. the craft yeah, I was just doing my thing. And you had good friends who supported and, and kind of poured some yeah. good advice into you. Yeah, it's it really is a great story. I'm, I'm just proud to be a part of it. But when I realized That's that, awesome. okay, this is the point. The return is coming from this reward now. Okay, day job, you know. Right. I got to quit. You guys are <laughs> done. And I'm I'm going. So. <sighs> Wow! Not that it's been all blue skies since since then, mm. but in, in general, it's just it's been wonderful. It feels great to be to be making the decisions myself and li- and living by them. What's like uh, one just really awesome story that something like rememberable you'll never forget because when you of all finally this. realized I'm here, I made it. I don't know if you have yeah. one, but no, no. I, so the the first one that came to mind, um, you know, when artists would come through and, and come through town, I try to get in touch with them. Um, fortunately, a, a good buddy of mine has known the roots for a while. And so when they came into town, he put a bug in in their ear of like, hey, you got to check this guy out. We showed up at the venue uh, before sound check. I brought along the little preamp for Mark to check it out. Their stage tech was going through line checking. Okay, you know, we got signal here, here, here. And we're just waiting for the roots to show up so I can go show them this thing and he could check it out at sound check. I do this with other bands. They check it out at sound check. They're like, man, could I use it for the show? Um, but they weren't showing up and we were like, dude, what, when is, when are the roots coming? We don't know. And then we heard the guy, you know, on his little radio, okay, the opener can have the stage. And we realized that was the sound check. The roots don't do a sound check. <laughs> they just, honestly, they roll in at eight o'clock and they hit the stage and play. Yeah. And I was so bummed because I thought like, dude, man, this could be really cool. I think he's going to dig it. So while the opener was setting up, we went back, we talked to their stage manager, and my friend told him, dude, Mark wants to use this thing, and you got to put it on stage. Mark's <laughs> going to use it tonight, and he's <laughs> expecting this to happen. And I was like, oh, man, okay. So basically, we just went out there and plugged it in, in his rig. <laughs> and, and then, no you know, way. we went on stage. And so then they show up. 10 minutes before the set, whatever, he comes, we meet him, and he's like, oh, dude, man, hey, sorry we couldn't get here earlier, your flight was delayed and stuff, and I uh, had to come in from SFO, but, you know, I'd love to check it out sometime. No, man, it's on stage for you, it's ready, like, <laughs> we you're using it, it tonight. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So he goes out there, and he's like, setting up some stuff, and it looked like he's playing the bass, 
and we're not hearing anything. And it's honestly like the show is starting and we're not hearing anything. And my friend's like, oh, dude, are you sure? Like, did you plug the inputs and outputs? Did you plug it in right? And I just panicked thinking like, oh, crap, I'm going to have to run out on stage like during the show and do something. Quest is like, click, 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 first song. And he turns around and he's going and there's bass coming out. It was like he's syncing his wireless. Oh. And so he just played the whole show and used the thing and afterwards said like some very nice compliments over it and I never saw it again. <laughs> uh, and, you know, until the next time. But, you know, and then he, he PayPal'd me later. But um, <laughs> so that was great. Another one that I think is just so random. Um, I was sitting here building late at night and I heard uh, Ben Harper's song come on, one of the newer ones where um, – Michael Ward is playing guitar with him. Michael Ward, uh, who played with the Wallflowers. And, man, I've always liked his tone. And I'm thinking, oh, dude, he'd probably dig the amps. But I haven't heard anything. You know, I haven't seen Michael Ward anywhere in five or six years. And so I stopped building. I went over to my computer, just Googled him, found his website. He has an Instagram. I go on there, like a few posts. You may make a comment. 30 minutes later, he's commenting on my Instagram. Man, your stuff looks killer. I'd love to... to hook up we exchanged email addresses like he starts emailing me uh, we talk on the phone i build an amp i send it down to him um, i asked him hey are you coming through the bay area like do you get up here at all oh didn't you know four nights at the fillmore sold out with ben harper it's our reunion like <laughs> we're getting back together are you kidding me like i had no idea so i got a, a, an amp rig together for him he used it for the for those dates i took up the cab i drove it up to san francisco to to give it to him I roll in with the cab. Mike's like, awesome. Hey, Juan, dude, you got to check out this preamp. Did you bring one? You brought one, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. So Juan Nelson, like, he plugs it in. Oh, yeah. I'll, like, the guy, he's a big guy. Anyway, face just lit up. This thing's awesome. Can I use this for the, for the shows? Sure. You can use it. <laughs> and so, so he used it for all four nights. Loved it. Um, I told him he couldn't keep it because it was already sold, but uh, he got in touch with me later. He purchased one. Um, then I found out later that they had recorded they had recorded all four nights uh, at the soundboard and released like the audio from these performances. So I was able to take that and be able to share with people like, man, here's someone using my preamp. Here's what it sounds like. And uh, so I, that just it was to me that's a cool story that just happened. It just uh, randomly. Uh, both mm-hmm. of those were like crazy. One of them a little more, you know, uh, I had a little more hand in yeah. it. But. It just goes to show if you have a quality product that meets a demand, Yeah, I mean, that's really what it comes down to is the craftsmanship. It's just the the integrity of the product itself. Eventually, even if you're an introvert like Jack, <laughs> if you have good enough friends who yeah. who see the value in what you do, uh, people will see it too. And I think that's, that's kind of a good takeaway. Um, make make good things and people will will discover those good things just kind of reminds me like the soup nazi on seinfeld like you don't really have to have a personality you just have to have something that's awesome you know right and people will line up people will line up around the building you know for your product are you saying uh, jack doesn't have a personality i think he's got a ton of personality nate no no i'm saying you don't have to it's not a a requirement it's about the product right Right. you know i think i'm doing a podcast and i have no personality so i (laughs) You guys mentioned but you know, the idea of selling out earlier in the podcast. We, at least when I heard that, I thought of okay, financial, like selling, selling. You know, right. it's a money thing. But I do feel like there's an element of selling out when you decide to be someone that you're not. 
Right. Um, for better, or, you know, well, for worse, usually. If you're, <laughs> if you're being fake and you're trying to like be someone that you're not and you're pushing something, that, that might actually work for a little bit. But eventually, you're either going to be super unhappy right. or people are going to find out that's not real. Right. Um, I've always been like not a real hype guy because it just seems like that just always bites you. Right. Um, yeah. So you're not into kiss? Well, that, I mean, that's different. Though. That's, <laughs> if that's who you are, then, then do that. But if you're not, I would say don't feel like you need right, to be. There. Right. Don't uh, pretend. Be yeah. who you are and do your thing. And, and if, it's, if it really is awesome, right. your friends will help get it out there. And you'll get to you know, flip over and do that rewarding thing. But if it's not awesome, then just enjoy it. And, I have the yeah. same advice for musicians who you know, ask me, like, what, what should my music sound like? Or what's cool or whatever. I mean, just, just do what you do. You know, be true to you. People yeah. are so smart. They can see right through the BS. So don't put up a veneer. Yeah. Just do you. And, and people value integrity. They value honesty. And yeah. eventually, I mean, if it's good enough, if it's quality, whatever you're making, will yeah. it, it will Speaking, work out okay. Speaking of honesty, it's good to hear, Jack, that I can take credit for all this. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. You were there at Just the beginning. Kidding. You were the first, you're the, the first big artist. I <laughs> oh, yeah. It All was right. just like once Sherwood gets this product, then the Roots Sky's and John Mayer, everyone right. will want it. <laughs> right. It's it's really interesting though. I mean, this I I see myself as an artist, and I see this as an artistic expression. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's kind of two kinds of art. There's art that you want to make, and there's art that people want to buy. Right. If those happen to align, and you, it can be in both camps right. at the same time, that's that's awesome. That's when you're going to have some success. But a bit of selling out is when you say, well, I don't want to make that kind of art that people want to buy, but, but I'm going to go try. Yeah, but well, that's no, that's not want. what you should do. Like, right. Do the art that, that you want to make. Figure out later if people want to buy it. The They'll parallel it to, to, to making a, a record as an artist is so true in that regard. You know, There's always a flavor of the week genre, and people are adapting to kind of play to that crowd. I never found like I my band could do that. I, I was always like, nah, we have our own. Th- we're on our own journey. We're doing our own thing, and maybe we didn't sell as many records because we weren't in that scene or whatever new thing popped up. But at least I had integrity, and at least our fans didn't like see right through what we were trying to do. If you go, this is what people like, so let's produce it. That's a right. completely different place right. to come from. Then right. this is what I like. I, I read a quote on your on your uh, website that was I thought was pretty cool. Um, the world has enough disposable junk already. Mm. The best way to serve you is not to mass produce a product as cheaply as possible, but to build it to last forever and sell direct without dealer markups. Do you have a principle that you try to live your life by, or is that just kind of your natural personality, your natural character, is to kind of be unassuming mm. in a way? Or are you saying mm, I have these punk rock type um, independent principles where I <laughs> stick it to the man and I don't like to sell out. Is that like, what drives that? I think part of it is just the way that, that I always am. But um, yeah, definitely um, I do value integrity and, and, and being honest. There is something in me that's been in me for a long time. At the end of college, after going through college and focusing on engineering and very technical, very real world things, um, kind of was, you know, sp- something was spoken to me of the real world that will last is people. Right. People is the only hmm. thing that's going to last and it lasts forever. And that is something that, that, that my life needs to be more about. So as far as like having the relationship, the way that the business has, has been set up and now is running is, is really because I value my individual customers. I want to know them personally. I want them to be able to know me. 
Um, but just to really value that relationship. Yeah. So your buddy Amos is texting you in the middle of the night. Taylor says the bass tone is kicking. <laughs> you get those texts? Sometimes, sometimes he does. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. But yeah, I, I, and I love that. And I feel like you have to sacrifice that if you're scaling up in a major way. Yeah. Um, right. You know, for better or worse. So that this is just the way that I'm wired. Feel very fortunate that I'm able to uh, have a career and run a business now that can reflect that. And working from home, like I'm, I'm in my garage right now. It's like separate from the house. Yeah. So I, I walk in. And it's like I totally. You can guys are both in your that. garage. Yeah, we're garage workers. Yeah, I love that. I love the garage. Well, anyway, Jack, I just want to say thanks for coming on the podcast and sure. sharing your story with us. I just guess you be- can. People can check your work out at NobleAmps.com, right? That's correct. Yep, NobleAmps.com or NobleAmps on Instagram or on Facebook. Are you, are you blowing a leaf blower over there? <laughs> I, well, see, I am in my garage. He's so. DIY now, so he's doing it all. He's leaf blowing. That's, he's doing interviews. That's that's my nemesis. Poor <laughs> guy. <laughs> he saw you were in here talking to someone, and he started yeah. up the leaf blower. I'm surprised you can hear that. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Good no, times. That's all good. Well, thanks, Jack. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Sure. Right on, guys. Yeah, Best love it. Luck. All right. Take care, man. Later. Bye. So what did you learn? What did well, you learn from what did you learn from Jack? I would say that sometimes you can be your own worst enemy. Um, and I think we've talked about that a lot already, but I just think it's funny that, you know, Taylor Swift's bass player is like shaking him like, dude, <laughs> dude. I guess make these. But isn't that such a better position or a better posture than the people who are going out oh, saying yeah. Dude, check out my band. It's awesome, and they're they're all cocky yeah, about it, and it's yeah. not like it's just better to to focus on the craft itself and and let other people acknowledge it for what it is. You know, I feel like that's just yeah. I feel like it's a better position and then to go around selling something that really isn't that special as super special. I remember it makes me regret a lot of things we did as an early Why? band. I don't know. We were we. Like, I remember we got this email. Remember that band, um, Limbeck? So I remember we went to, like, some May and Limbeck shows, and we were, like, selling our CDs to, like, the fans outside of the shows. (laughs) And Limbeck sent this email to our manager, like, hey, Sherwood's, like, following our tour, selling stuff to our fans (laughs) in line. And it's kind of skeezy. We're not really into it. And I remember thinking, this could go one of two ways. Either we're totally hustling and we're awesome, or we're totally lame D-bags. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, there's, I a, there's a I fine line. There's a fine line. You never know. But if that, you know, if you gain some fans out, out of that, I guess, you know, all's fair in, I don't know. in more. But, but we were that band. So part of me thinks we we definitely tooted our own horn a little bit too early right ah we all were there man we all were kids right i mean we're just doing our we're just we're just trying to get our name out there 
But I do well, like I was 25. So <laughs> you were a 25 year old child kid. I, I, I like <laughs> stories like Jack Rones where, you know, the guy is just clearly dedicated to his craft and he's clearly an artist. Um, he loves what he does and he has to, you know, his friends draw him out to 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 do something with it because they everyone else sees value. And that's just a cooler way to go. That's probably not my personality. I'm more of an extrovert and I want to tell everybody, yeah. you know. Listen to my podcast. It's valuable. Yeah, exactly. Nate, we could be doing um, this podcast for uh, nine years. Before someone tunes in. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we need to get uh, Taylor Swift's bass player on the show, we know who to call now, we know, right? Yeah, we know so. who to schmooze. A literal jack of all trades, Jack Roan. Check him out, nobleamps.com. Yes. Thanks for listening, everybody, to our first startup series. We're going to try to do a bunch of these, get some more entrepreneurs some different uh, from different fields, uh, guys who are out there hustling their craft to come on and share. We feel like we're kindred spirits with a lot of these folks because we've, we've been hustling our whole lives. So uh, we yeah. appreciate your feedback. Uh, if you want to send us an email on this episode or any other one, don't email the trolls at gmail.com is where we can be reached. We read everything. Also, head to trollspodcast.com you can fill out a contact form if you want to there really appreciate it and jack didn't get where he was by feeding those trolls so what what do we do again don't feed the trolls